Welcome in, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. Parker Thune, how you doing? Uh, we got so much to talk about today. I don't know if we can fit it all in in two hours. No, we definitely can't, Steely, but no better way to kick off the year 2024 than a jam-packed show. Calendar year four now of engaging in buffoonery on the airwaves alongside you, my friend. How about so that? Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. Did y'all see them boobies on the on the tube last <laughs> night, by the way? I was trying to screenshot it and, you know. But, uh, yeah, how's everybody? Hope 2024 is going well. It's amazing how many people got into that the other night. It's like, how do you people see that? By the way, uh, I don't know if we can get everything in today in two hours, like I said. Plank said they couldn't do it in three hours. Plank's a pro. Josh is a pro. We're semi-pros. Hopefully we can get it done here in a couple of hours. But, you know, the old man can only go a couple of hours. Then I have to go back to the rest home, you know, for activities there. So, anyway, hope you guys had a great new year. You know, as bad as college football can be right now, transfer portal, Georgia, Florida State, and that ridiculous Orange Bowl, Frickin' Mizzou winning over Ohio State's junior varsity. You know, all this stuff that we're sick and tired of that we think is destroying the game that we love so much. Those semifinal games were awesome, were they not? With uh, Michigan beating Alabama, and then you had Texas uh, losing to Washington, obviously. Rose Bowl, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't an offensive showcase, but Michigan wins in overtime. And then you had Washington, man, it looked like they had that game won. And what are you doing? Get that injured dude off the field now. And I thought Texas was going to win that. You just had the feeling, oh, my gosh, Mm. Washington, what are you doing? Mm. But what a great play by the defensive back there on the last play. That should have been a choke job for the ages. But, Steely. Last night is all the proof you need that the natural order of the universe does not permit Texas to achieve the ultimate victory. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. You know, Oklahoma goes to New Orleans in a big game like that, and what happens? Well, the first time around, they had to play LSU in New Orleans, who hadn't won a national title in like 50 years. And then Texas basically has a home game last night. But Michael Penix Jr., man, the kid was unbelievable. I mean, you talk about throwing darts, throwing lasers. Michael Penix Jr. is that dude. I will admit, I voted for Jaden Daniels first. I had Penix second. Kind of regret my vote a little bit right now, but you got to vote before that game. Daniels had incredible numbers, but, man, Michael Penix Jr., whoo, We knew Texas's secondary was going to have some issues, but some of those were absolute dimes. Couldn't have been thrown any better. And Washington wins the game. Now you got Michigan and Washington in the championship game next Monday there in Houston. And um, those semifinal games really, you know, it's not like Michigan-Bama was an offensive shootout or anything, but there, there was a lot of drama there. Alabama, low snap, Jalen Milrow didn't execute it, obviously, there at the end. But two great semifinal games last night. What'd you think? Well, here's the thing, Steely. Historically, the college football playoff semifinals have not been great football games. I mean, obviously, the OU Georgia Rose Bowl in 2017 is Was, widely regarded as yeah. the best semifinal game of the CFP era to date, but there have been a lot more blowouts 
in the semifinal games than tight wire-to-wire battles. And we got two instant classics last night. Two of them within hours of one another. So all in all, I will say I, I still disagree with the way that the decision was processed by the college football playoff committee. But the two games that we got very much vindicated the committee to a certain degree because it was very clear in watching those games that any and all of those four teams could win a national championship. And you can certainly make the argument that there are at least a couple teams that got left out of the playoff field that could have won a national championship. So as I look at it, Steely, it's almost like, man, that 12-team playoff field got here a year too late because it would have been awesome to see what the 12-team field would have yielded this year. Because I do not think there is one team that is head and shoulders above the rest. And Michigan and Washington, to their credit, they have navigated turmoil time and time again this season. They have gotten into crunch time situations. Their guys have delivered time and time again. They're still undefeated. The only two undefeated teams left in college football. And they'll play for a national championship. They deserve it. But the margin between those two and I would say the five, six teams further on down the pole right behind them is not significant. And so I I would have loved to see what a 12-team playoff field would have brought this year. But this was about as good of a final four-team CFP as we could have asked for. No doubt about it. Uh, we've got a lot of other news happening. We're going to have Jesse Crittenden on at 135 today, get his thoughts on the playoff, what's ahead for Oklahoma. you got Dave McCullough uh, in the portal over the weekend. The Sooners have a shot to nail uh, down another tight end, perhaps, and Jake Roberts, uh, obviously an Oklahoma kid, transferring from Baylor. Uh, Jocelyn Malaska, the uh, PWO Utah kid uh, from Bethany, by the way, from the state of Oklahoma, played a couple years at Utah. Uh, We've got a chance maybe to talk to him today. We'll talk about that situation. Nick Scorton, the edge rusher from Purdue, and it is Scorton. I went and looked at some highlights, and the play-by-play people were were saying, Scorton, I trust the uh, play-by-play people more than I trust the uh, podcast yahoos, who normally don't do that because they're not professional, most of them, not all of them. Parker certainly is one. But it's Nick Scorton, and again, he is going to be visiting Oklahoma this Friday. But guess who's in the mix? Frickin' Missouri. Well, and their and credit not just card. Missouri. Texas A&M and their credit card. And Florida State. Yeah. The, and I imagine many folks by now have seen the visit, or the visit schedule that Nick Scorton has put out. It's Texas A&M. It's Missouri. It, no, I think it's Texas A&M, Florida State, then Missouri then Oklahoma. And Oklahoma gets the last visit. If you're dealing with a traditional high school recruit, I think you like that. I think you're pleased with that, with the fact that Oklahoma gets the last shot at Nick Scorton. But with three portal titans getting visits before Oklahoma gets their shot at Nick Scorton, it's hard to feel real optimistic because who's to say he doesn't just – shut things down and commit to Texas A&M, which is the hometown school, or to Missouri, which we know will throw loads of money at him, or to Florida State, which has been dominant in recruiting transfer portal defensive linemen over the last few years. So I I know that 
to the naked eye, maybe the last visit seems like a good thing, seems like reason for optimism. Well, I'm really you've also not got Deion Burks already committed to Oklahoma. you got to help think that might help a little bit. But you're right. Usually in these situations, particularly uh, with uh, two of those schools, Missouri and Texas A&M, you are also fighting the almighty dollar. Breaking Missouri. Once I saw them on the, uh, you know, Missouri again gets to play Ohio State's junior varsity in the bowl game, in the Cotton Bowl. Got to give them credit. I mean, they won 11 games, but they are becoming a very pesky nuisance. That needs to be, as we've said many times, stuffed back in the locker. Problem is, they get a lot of guys coming back, and they've got some help coming in. And you've got to play them in Columbia next year. So you're probably going to have to deal with these Missouri Yahoos for a while, unfortunately. So anyway. Uh, by the way, Ethan Downs, national hero for what he did, you know, last night. Horns down right there in what was a predominantly well, Texas crowd there at the Superdome, which was awesome. And what's what's crazy about it is, like, Ethan Downs is simultaneously the guy that you would most expect to do something like that and least expect to do it something is, like that. You're right, yeah. Because he is a Sooner through and through from Weatherford, America. Super class kid, man. He's but a, he's also just like hey, – like you said, super classy, very walk it over talk it. But against Texas, he can turn into the wrestling heel just like that, right? And he did. Yeah, he did. He did back in October. <laughs> so I thought Love that was it. amazing. How about Billy Bowman and Jada Coleman? They are engaged, ladies and gentlemen. The Sooner Power couple is now official. I like it. I like it a lot. So uh, we've got, again, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. And we want to thank, again, as we always do, uh, for our first hour, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, Tim Lasher, his great company. Heating and air needs, you got a problem there, they'll get it taken care of. Call them up at 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. Dom McKinley to LSU. Does that end the Sooners class in terms of high school kids now? It does. And boy, it wasn't that out of nowhere. I, you know, I was down there in Orlando on New Year's Eve and had a pretty extensive conversation with McKinley's brother and his dad there on the sidelines as we were watching him rep at the Under Armour All-American practices. And I walked away from that conversation going, okay, that kid probably sticks with Texas A&M where he flips to LSU because he's just kind of too much of a homebody. That was the sense I got. And but at the time, the the family was saying, no, we're going to take an official visit to LSU next month, going to take an official visit to Tennessee, and we'll see what happens. And then, boom, ball drops, and Dominic McKinley's a Tiger. So that happened fast. Nobody was really anticipating things being over that quickly, but – in the end, five-star defenders from the state of Louisiana are really tough to pry out of the state of Louisiana. And Oklahoma wasn't going to flip that kid unless they got him back on campus for a visit, which they were fighting an uphill battle to do so. At this point, yeah, they're probably done for the 2024 cycle and look to the portal to fill their remaining needs. There you go. All right, we're underway. First segment of 2024. Hope everybody had a great new year. Let's light up that text line. Kadipamaya Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. I know we have Jesse Crittenden today, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Coming up at 135, maybe some other surprises as well. 
Let's talk a little more college football when we get back here on The Ref. All right, we uh, talked a little bit about the uh, transfer portal, all of our portal updates here on the Home of Sooner Fans, brought to you by Swiftco Roofing and Construction. Call them up at 405-831-8222 and uh, get in touch with Brent Swift and the team there. 25 years of roofing and remodeling experience in the construction business. Brent will personally come and look at your roof and your home. Great reputation, Swiftco Roofing and Construction. We appreciate them. With the uh, portal updates, 405-831-8222. All right, you also have been in San Antonio where uh, the Sooners have David Stone, Devon Mitchell. Orlando. Orlando. Those guys are in Orlando. They're in Orlando. Yes. I will be in San Antonio the rest of the week. Okay, so the game's in San Antonio, but they're in Orlando. All right, right? Uh, The All-American game is in Orlando. The All-American Bowl is in San Antonio. Okay, I'm very confused. All right, but we're in Orlando. Okay, gotcha. Yes, I have been in Orlando. All right, so David Stone, Daniel Lockenkunmi, B.J. Brooks, Devon Mitchell, Jaden Hardy there. Going through workouts. How are they looking? Well, let me tell you this much. David Stone looks the part of a five-star. I mean, he's been dominant all week in practice sessions. But maybe the biggest surprise of the week, and honestly, I think without question the most impressive offensive lineman, has been B.J. Brooks. Man, two straight days, they did a series of one-on-ones between the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman. B.J. Brooks, I believe, is the only offensive lineman over the course of those two days that didn't lose a single rep. I mean, and he's not very big, too. He is absolutely no taller than six foot three, which for an offensive lineman is not huge. But, man, when he sticks his feet in the ground and he anchors, nobody can move him an inch. So he was very, very impressive and should get a decent rankings bump, I would think, based on his performance thus far. Uh, Daniel Akinkumi has held his own. And I think there were many who figured that coming from across the pond to take part in this game, having never really seen this level of competition before, that he was going to get exposed for some of his technical inadequacies. And they just aren't there. Akinkunmi, he hadn't won every single rep, but when he's been beaten, he hasn't been beaten badly, and he's won the vast majority against some really good offensive line prospects. The so dude he's been, was out there working on his technique, man, like late at night after the whole place looked like it had cleared, and he was out there by himself. Yep. Very impressive. So, uh, And Devon Mitchell looks uh, big time, and you know he reclassified, but, uh, man, that kid looks like a man already, no doubt. So... Anyway, some uh, some information from the uh, Under Armour All-American Bowl and the workouts happening there. So it's in Orlando. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Let's get there because we get a lot of people who have some questions already. Spartan Sooner says, I know the Under Armour workouts don't determine what happens next year, but watching Winnery get pancaked was a thing of beauty after seeing Stone dominate. A lot of Sooner fans enjoyed that one, for sure. Well, Stone, you know, he's a defensive tackle. And there there came a point yesterday where he was just cooking all the interior guys to such a degree that they were like, okay, get on on out to the edge. Rush off the edge. See what you can do. So he goes out there on the edge and wins two out of three reps, 
against Jaquan McRoy, who is one of the largest human beings I've ever seen. Is gigantic, six foot nine, three hundred sixty-five pounds. He signed with Oregon, and five minutes earlier, Jaquan McRoy. I'm sure many have seen the clip on social media. I mean, he put Williams Winery on his back, and so David Stone kicks out to a position that he does not play, and wins two out of three against the same dude that pancaked the number one edge rusher in America. You know, and I love how, look, does that mean Williams Winery clearly overrated? You know, you can't, you've got to wait and see how this plays out. I mean, these are reps. He did get absolutely crushed in the uh, video that everybody saw. But it, it was amazing how that was circulating. You've got a few of these uh, clout chasers out there. Here we go, Winery sucks. Glad we didn't get him. You know, but. I would wait and see how it plays out before you base everything off a rep in a uh, All-American game practice. But I think both can be true, right? You would absolutely take Winnery in a heartbeat if he requested out of his letter with Missouri. And also, his performance. It was ugly. I I, I know this after seeing it firsthand for two days. He looks slow, too, to me. Well, and while Eugene Brooks has not lost a rep, over all the one-on-ones for two straight, straight days, Winery did not win a rep. Well, he's got all his money. What's the incentive, right? Brandon from the 405 asks, is Winery really a legit 6'7"? Had no idea he was bigger than PJ. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. But again, he's just been manhandled by the offensive lineman that he's gone up against. And he's gone up against a number of different ones. It hasn't been the same guy locking him down every single time. <laughs> And it was kind of funny. And, like, look, he's – when Harry's a good kid, I, I have a great relationship with him uh, as to all that happened over the course of his recruitment. I, I personally do not begrudge him for any of it whatsoever. But <laughs> I will say, like, it, it was kind of funny because he gets pancaked by McRoy yesterday and then went and stood in the back of the line, didn't do any more one-on-one reps. That was the it. remainder of the session. Wow. How about that? All right, 405-651-3439. Keep the text rolling in. Uh, We kind of buried – well, I shouldn't say we buried the lead. There was a lot we could have led with today. But uh, the Sooners did get another portal addition this morning in former Utah cornerback Jocelyn Malaska, a native of Bethany, Oklahoma. He's going to have three years of eligibility remaining. And Lloyd Preferred from, walk-on? Yes, Lloyd from yeah. El Reno wants to know, can you tell us about the DB from Utah? Yeah, Jocelyn Malaska is a guy that I was very, very high on coming out of high school. And I recall seeing him in person for the first time at an OU team camp back in June of 2021. Gosh, that's almost three years ago now. Doesn't feel like that long ago, but here we are. And he locked everybody down that day. Was maybe the most impressive cornerback there. And for my money, earned an offer from Oklahoma that day. I thought that was an offer he should have been extended. Alex Grinch and Roy Manning did not agree. He really wanted an OU offer and probably would have committed if he'd been given one. Did not get the offer. Uh, His performance that day did lead to a chain reaction in his recruitment. He did pick up several offers in the aftermath. The SMU staff was there. Uh, Because Garrett Riley, of course, was then the offensive coordinator at SMU. So SMU was actually the only other staff that was physically present at the camp. They offered Jocelyn. 
Texas Tech soon followed. He ended up committing to Texas Tech in July, if memory serves me correctly, and stayed committed until December when Utah made a successful late push to flip him. Went to Utah. He hasn't played a ton over his first two years there. Redshirted in, uh, I, I I don't know whether he redshirted his freshman year or this past year, but he's played in eight total games, mostly on special teams. A guy that is relatively new to the game of football in that he didn't start playing until junior high, so he's not brand new like Daniel Akinkumi or somebody like that, but uh, definitely a less extensive football bra- background. He's from Haiti and was adopted by a couple of native Oklahomans while in elementary school. Grew up playing soccer, naturally. And so the transition of football for him uh, happened in junior high and then throughout high school. He was very productive out there at Bethany High on both sides of the ball. Uh, definitely somebody that, because Oklahoma gets him as a PWO, right? you don't necessarily need him to hit. You don't need him to be a stud. You're not banking on that necessarily. You're not wagering a scholarship on it. But what you will, what you are telling the kid is, hey, you know what? We understand how much you want to be a Sooner. We understand how bad you want it and how driven you are. To Show be us what you got. Cream. Right? Show us what you got. <laughs> I was I was texting with Jocelyn or Jocelyn this morning after he announced his commitment to Oklahoma, and he said, "I'm going to earn that scholarship. Watch." And I I don't question that he can. I didn't I didn't think he was ever a guy that was going to be a day one type of dude in college just because there was a project component to it. There was some additional development that needed to happen, but he's gotten that for two years at Utah in a very, very well-regarded defensive system. Yeah, no doubt. And that can continue at Oklahoma. All right, break time right here, 405-651-3439, Kadipemeyer Chevrolet text line. I thought I saw LaDonna. Uh, reporting in from Lubbock, we'll try and uh, track down her text as well. 405-651-3439. That is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. How about Celtics Thunder tonight, 7 o'clock, Paycom Center. Celtics, number one record in the league. Oklahoma City, fourth best record in the league. Thunder beat the uh, Nets over the weekend by 16. Man, that is a good basketball team. This will be an energetic environment at Paycom Center tonight. Should be fun. All right, break time. Coming right back. More of your tweets and your texts right here on The Ref. We are back right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, the home of Sooner fans. Happy 2024. Welcome. My one resolution for 2024 is that the – the media wars of 2023 do not appear in 2024. Now, there's one perpetrator using weapons of mass destruction time and time again who I consider a friend, but I hope he will put those weapons away because it's not good. All I'm saying is give peace a chance. That's it. And there's no bet in with Yoko for this. I'm just saying give peace a chance. All right, 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, new promotions are out for January. The 80K winning resolutions giveaway. Play with your wild card today and tomorrow. Well, actually Monday and Tuesday, so just today for this week. But again, get the extra entries for the drawings on Friday when you share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. They've got the first first down in Neon Town promotion where you can win a trip to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Play with your wild card and look for specific gaming machines on the gaming floor. 
for the first down in Neon Town promotion. And again, they will be designated. Ask somebody at Riverwind. If you can't find them, they'll guide you right there. You can win one of five trips they're giving away to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas with your airfare, game tickets, ground transportation, hotel stay. All of that stuff is included in the first down in Neon Town promotion happening not right now at Riverwind Casino as well. And again, they, they gave away $315,000 in cash bonus playing prizes in December in addition to all the jackpots that were won last month. So always a shout-out to our friends at Riverwind Casino. They are awesome. Good times always at Riverwind. Okay, this segment will be a little bit short because we do have uh, Jocelyn Alaska coming on, right? That Soon? is correct. So you want to get like three or four texts in? Yeah, let's hit some texts. Glenn move. from Nashville says, Parker, I heard a rumor that our lad from across the pond had some good offensive line reps at the All-American game practices. Can you elaborate? Yeah, I can. Daniel Akankumi has been really impressive. you got to love point. that kid too, man. His attitude, he's going to be a fan favorite. He, he, I would say he already is yeah, a fan favorite. Yeah, I'm with you. Man. Like, I don't know if anybody rivals David Stone in that department, but – for me, it's got to be David Stone at one, Daniel Akinkunmi at two. Yeah, David Stone, man, he uh, it was weird because, you know, you thought, man, man is it going to be Miami? Is it going to be somebody else? But once he, you know, hitched his lot with Oklahoma, he has been 100% bought in. Love that kid, too. A listener in the 405 asks, how does Mizzou have so much money? I can't answer that question. I, I don't know the actual reason. I the What I have heard, and I don't know how accurate it is, I don't really bother to do a ton of research on it, but from what I have heard, there is someone involved with the Walmart fortune that is a significant benefactor for Missouri. I don't know who it is. Well, Missouri's always been a freaking Walmart program. So, and now, of course, they're cashing in because of that. Very annoying. Jeff from OKC says, I am calling it. Oh, you will have a transfer quarterback by the week's end. And you know what, Jeff from OKC? I agree with you. Casey Thompson? Casey Thompson. I like that. I know people go, oh, we're getting Casey Thompson. You know, because he's played a lot of college football. And he's a pretty good player, and he'd be a very nice insurance policy. I don't think it's a slap in the face to Michael Hawkins or Brendan Zerberg or any of those guys. Um, and again, you know, maybe Michael Hawkins, he's tremendously talented. Maybe Zerberg, one of those guys, emerges as a clear cut number two option anyway. Could happen, right? It could. Very well could happen. It could. But again, like, if, if that happens, great. It's a credit to those guys. If not, you know Casey Thompson is more than capable of carrying the load as QB2. Chapstick says, as we can now see, Roy Manning and Alex Grinch may not be the best people to listen to regarding recruiting and development. (laughs) Amen to that. I think Jocelyn Malaska can be really, really good. I do think that. All right. It might take a year or two, but I think he can be really, really good. Okay, let's do this now since we do have Jocelyn uh, Malaska coming up in the next segment. And uh, let's get a break in here so we can spend as much time with that kid as we can in the next segment. So we'll talk to the Sooners' latest PWO um, player that is committed to Oklahoma. We'll do that coming up here in a little bit. We will update you on DJ Hicks. But if you guys have, like, this thing called Twitter or X, 
I would probably surmise if something had happened by now, you would probably see it. But we'll give you an update, what we know or what Parker knows anyway. And we'll do that next right here on The Ref. All right, if you're in your 40s or older thinking about improving your vision, maybe you didn't see the uh, big breakup by uh, the Washington defensive back on that last play from the Longhorns. Well, you could if you had the new LASIK. The new LASIK, as we like to call it, lens replacement, provides a permanent fix to your vision needs, unlike LASIK, which often leaves many patients needing those reading glasses or adjusting to monovision after surgery. Lens replacement can eliminate the need for additional eyewear after your surgery. And the best part of the whole deal with lens replacement, you'll never require a cataract surgery. Lens replacement, the new LASIK, it's a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at thenewlasik.com. Parker Thune, we have a special guest. That we do. The newest Oklahoma Sooner, Steely. It's defensive back Jocelyn Malaska, former Utah Ute, now committed to OU out of the portal. We love Utah. OFU, Oklahomans <laughs> for Utah. They took down Muleshoe many times for us. Thank you. Uh, Jocelyn, man, thanks for jumping on the show. How are you feeling to have the portal process over with and to be a Sooner? Man, I feel good. I'm just ready to go out this point, honestly. Like, the whole like process was just long and stuff, so getting it over with was good just to get it over so I can get ready to like start learning the playbook and everything and get ready to go. Yeah, now obviously your family had some familiarity with Jay Valai because he's been recruiting your younger brother Evan since OU, but Valai didn't join the OU staff until after you had already committed to and ultimately signed with Utah. So that relationship between the two of you wasn't super developed when you got into the transfer portal. How quickly did you and Coach Valai touch base, and how quickly did you realize, okay, this is somebody I can see myself playing for? Um, to be honest with you guys, like I didn't really like get in contact with him until like I got in and like because like you know how they've been talking to my family and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. They already built their relationship with my dad and my mom and everything, and with my little brother. So it was a little easier than what people expected since they've been building the connection. Now tell tell everybody that isn't familiar uh, a little bit about your football journey, what ultimately led you to being a scholarship caliber dude at the Power 5 level, signing with Utah out of high school, and now obviously coming home to Oklahoma after two years out in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys know that um, I was a soccer player. So mm-hmm. that was like my very first sport and stuff like that. So um, going to middle school, I had a bunch of friends that was um, going out there just to play football because that's like that's what middle school kids do, I think, like these days. And I was the only soccer player that like didn't want to go because like I didn't know how it was going to be and stuff like that. So I was just like, uh, I don't know because like all my friends are playing it. Where I was mainly focusing on soccer because at that point, that's what I was planning on to do, like, for college. I wasn't thinking about going to football or anything like that. Now, and then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. And then I started playing in middle school. I was like, oh, hold on, it's kind of fun. Like, I like running around, hating people and stuff like that. So, like, I just fell in love with it ever since I started playing in middle school and never looked back for real. Now let's fast forward to your junior year of high school. I'm sure you remember it. I know I remember it quite well. You show up to a team camp at the University of Oklahoma. At that time, Lincoln Riley is still the head coach. 
Roy Manning is still the cornerbacks coach, and man, you had quite a performance that day. Locked down just about anybody yeah. you lined up against, and ultimately that resulted in you picking up quite a few additional Power Five and Group of Five offers. Oklahoma wasn't one of them, though. Ultimately, it didn't mm-hmm. matter because two and a half years later, here you are. You're a Sooner, but. What do you remember about the recruitment process, navigating all of that, committing to Texas Tech originally, ultimately flipping to Utah, and then going out there and spending two years with the Utes? Mm-hmm. Honestly, going to the OU camp, I don't remember what day it was. That honestly was like what really changed up like all of like my recruiting and stuff. Because before the camp, like my recruiting, like it wasn't like crazy, but it wasn't like awful. So I feel like going to that camp really changed everything in my recruiting and stuff. And then, like, because I knew after the camp, I really, like, did deserve the offer because I showed them everything I could do and stuff. So not getting an offer, I was like, okay, I guess I got to work on some, like, some more stuff that, like, they didn't like. So I got to improve on that in order for them to, like, like what I was doing and stuff. So, well, at, at that point, it was hard because they also had a bunch of DBs commit and they didn't want to really force like anything so I understand in a way why they didn't offer me that day but going back from like committing Texas Tech um I was committed for like a couple of months I believe yeah, five before months. um yeah before I had um gone to like the Utah visit and like which switched everything up but the main reason why I really um, switched from Texas Tech to Utah was for the culture and, like, the coaches and stuff. Everybody was so welcoming and everything. It was like a family up there. Like, I really got, like, close to, like, everybody in that visit. And they just felt like home. And my family was um, – they just felt good about it, like, me going up there, knowing that it's far away from the house. You know, it's interesting that you bring up uh, culture because it, it certainly appears that Kyle Whittingham has a great culture there in Utah. And by the way, thanks for taking down the USC so many times. We appreciate that very, Always. very, very much. <laughs> and that's that's awesome. But, uh, you know, Brent Venables is building, you know, his program on culture. They're involved in NIL and other stuff. Uh, but it's more about the culture and, you know, he's always talked about doesn't want the relationships with players to be transactional, wants it to be relational. What is it? Uh, talk about, you know, Bren and the OU staff and the culture you think they're building and how that appeals to you. Honestly, I think the culture that they're building is kind of similar to Utah because um, I remember them going up to Salt Lake City in the spring like, they was watching us working out and stuff like that. I think they was up there for a week. So, like, they got a bunch of, like, information on how, like, the Utah culture is. So, I think that um, they were kind of, like, building it the same, kind of, in a way. So, that was one of the main reasons why I'm like, okay, yeah, they was up there. So, they know what they're doing. And Utah don't really, like, allow people to come check them out. Like, if they don't, like, see that the school – like, he's going that way and stuff like that. There's a mutual respect kind of thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, Jocelyn, what can you say about the two years that you spent out there at Utah and how you feel it made you better as a football player, as a person, just overall developed you? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I was over there, I feel like 
I was getting better and better every single day. Like, obviously, it, it didn't go as, like, as planned. I was like, it didn't go, like, how I wanted it to go. But at the end of the day, it's a business decision. I feel like my game has improved, like, since you guys watched me at the camp. <laughs> like, if you watch me now, like, you won't even think it's the same person, honestly. Yeah, well, and, and like, <laughs> I have more understanding of the game now, so it's completely different. <laughs> oh, and trust me, man, your your little brother makes sure uh, I stay apprised of everything you're doing out there at Utah, the numbers you're putting up. And I, he, he mentioned to me this morning, actually, that uh, you were one of the fastest guys on the team out there. Oh, yeah, the I, was, I was like top six, top seven. I was up there. All right, got to ask you. Jocelyn, you have seen up close and personal Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr. You're a NFL general manager. You can draft one of those guys. Who you taking? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I want Michael Penix is different. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna take Penix. Yeah, there you go. We, we saw it last night. Man, you know, that was impressive. Marked on it. That's. That's a guy that has been content to bide his time and mm-hmm. not rush through college football. He's playing his sixth year at competition right now, fifth as a starter, yeah. and you can tell because he's a guy that was, as I tweeted last night, in full Sunday mode for Washington. <laughs> Looked like an NFL quarterback on a collegiate field. Now, Jocelyn, as you look ahead to your future at Oklahoma now as a member of the Sooner family, what value do you feel you can add to the roster, and what's going to be your primary objective going forward as an individual as you try to better yourself and get to the point where you're ready to contribute to an SEC program on the football field? Um, I'm going to go in and just give the program everything I got, like day in and day out, and just like just get ready because I know there's stuff that comes with it too. So just give everything I got. And how good do you feel about the development that you can get under the direction of Coach Valai, but also Coach Venables at the top? Oh, yeah, I I feel really good about that for real. Because um, talking to um, Coach Valai, like, you can tell that, like, he knows what he's talking about. So I just, I felt really comfortable, like, committing there because I know that he's wanting the best for me as a person, but also as a football player. And where do you. Where do you think this program has the potential to go under the new leadership of Coach Venables and this staff? Um, I think they can go high, like as far as their team wants to go, honestly. There you go. All right, and you know it just means more in the SEC now, right? Hey, oh, God. <laughs> there, we there we go all right hey jocelyn thank you so much and uh i'm sure we'll be seeing you really soon and uh, parker thune of course will have a microphone and a camera you know that so you'll see him soon yes sir thanks jocelyn jocelyn Malaska, impressive kid very impressive and he said he'd take michael Penix jr I mean, not only did they beat Caleb Williams, he also picks Penix Jr. over Caleb Williams. And really my issue is with Muleshoe because I'm a petty old man like that. But pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. uh, We have time for a few texts before we have to wrap it up for this hour if you want to get a couple in. A listener from the 405 asks, does taking the kid from Utah mean they know Woody isn't coming back? No. No. Not at all. 
No correlation between the two, as a matter of fact. You've been kind of hearing that maybe that Woody is leaning towards coming back. Is that still the word? I mean, I know it can change quickly, but is that what you were hearing late last week or after the Alamo Bowl? So the latest I have heard on Woody Washington is that there is momentum in the direction of him returning, which would obviously be huge for Oklahoma. And again, the thing to keep in mind with Jocelyn Malaska is that he is coming in as a PWO. Basically, it's kind of an Andy Bass type of deal where he's incentivized with NIL. Obviously, that's kind of his situation. He's going to be taken care of in that regard, but he is not technically occupying a scholarship spot. So it's not as if they are taking the scholarship spot allotted for Woody Washington and reassigning it elsewhere to a guy like Jocelyn Malaska. No, Woody Washington still has the opportunity to return to the Sooners, and there's a very good chance that he does so. Now, I truly do not think a decision has been made with finality one way or another based on the conversations that I've had, and a month ago I would have told you he's leaving. He's gone. He's off to the NFL. Now, not nearly as sure, and I think – I would lean in the direction of him coming back. I think there's a higher probability that he returns than he goes to the NFL. Yeah. It'll be something to stay on top of and monitor over the next few days. I've been hearing the same thing, but uh, I don't think the uh, the final decision has been made just yet. All right. Uh, I want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour. Next hour, Jesse Crittenden joins us. Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Keep those texts rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can. Top of the hour, let's talk a, a little bit about Jake Roberts and Nick Scorton when we get back as well. Possibilities for Oklahoma, we'll get into that. But again, thanks to last year, Home Comfort Systems, our opening hour sponsor, 405-579-3113. Coming right back on The Ref. We have so much to talk about, too. And for this hour, it's all brought to you by Oklahoma Generator. Check them out online at okgen.com or call 405-321-6631. Great reputation for incredible customer service. They're Oklahoma's highest rated and longest operating Generac dealer. Oklahoma Generator, okgen.com. 405-321-6631. Did you think that the uh, Washington Huskies had blown that game? That it was inevitable Longhorns were going to find a way to win? I mean, they had, what, three, four chances from the 11, 12-yard line? Oh, man. It... It was difficult to figure that Texas wasn't going to – because, like, Washington was trying so hard to lose that game. They were trying so hard to lose that game. Yeah. And, uh, man, because uh, Washington clearly looked like the better team. And, you know, Texas had moments, there's no doubt. But uh, Texas seemed to abandon the run game some, too. And I thought they were kind of gashing – Washington most of the night, but again, the Huskies went 37-31. And uh, Michigan is a four-and-a-half-point favorite against uh, Washington next Monday. Okay, so let me ask you. At Energy Stadium. Who do you like? I like uh, – well, I want Washington to win. 
I have not made a pick yet. I'm leaning towards Washington. I'll make my pick right now. I think Washington brings it home. I hope and so. I think, to me, the difference is Michael Penix. I, I don't think Alabama had the quarterback play to elevate them past the Wolverines. That's not the case with Washington. I mean, you heard Joe Malaska say it just a few minutes ago. Penix is different. Yeah. And he looked different last night. Holy smokes, was he on I'm his talking game. about some of those throws, and they've got a great receiving core. There's no doubt about it. But some of those throws, you couldn't have placed it any better. It's like 100 out of 100. And, um, but the good thing was we got two really good semifinals. I mean, down to the uh, last play in both games. But it looked for a while <clears throat> like Washington was going to have one of the biggest choke jobs in history. Now, the bad luck was the injury, but there were also some very, you know, even when they had, uh, what was it? Uh, was it a 10-point lead? I'm trying to remember. But then they started, they pulled out all their they trick plays. They were up by plays. 13. Yeah, they, they were pulling out all their trick plays all of a sudden. I'm like, what are you doing? Do what you've been doing. You play to win the game. That's right. But uh, that was basically a home game for Texas. Stillwater Sooner asks, did you see the video of Caleb Williams watching the Rose Bowl? I did. Was there a video? I did, yeah. I didn't see the video. I I don't know if it was one of his teammates, but he was up in his apartment, and he was like, you'd love to be in this game, wouldn't you, or something. Caleb's kind of looking like, dude, really. (laughs) I don't know who the guy was. But uh, I did see it. Listener in the 405 says, best thing is seeing Texas out of it. What do you think about the Horns next year? Quinn Ewers says he's coming back. And here again, by the way, last week, or leading up to the game, when you had Arch Manning meeting the media, what did some of these yahoos do? Well, it goes to show you that nobody cares about Quinn Ewers. Everybody's ready for Arch Manning because they had that picture of Quinn Ewers sitting at the podium with nobody there. And there's a gigantic group of reporters around Arch Manning. But nobody ever takes any time to actually figure out why it went down like that. They just think, well, this is good clickbait, man. I'm going to give my impressions here. It was Arch Manning's first media availability since enrolling at Texas. First time the media had a chance to talk to Arch Manning. And how many times do you think the media had gotten to talk to Quinn Ewers over the previous 11 months? Where did Arch Manning play high school football? What city? New Orleans. You think the local media wanted to talk to Arch Manning then? I would think so. So, yes. That's why, again, some of these yahoos out there immediately – Went for the clickbait. There are yahoos everywhere. There, there are more yahoos than ever. There are more yahoos than ever. And all of them can just hide behind anonymous Twitter accounts and tweet the most out of <laughs> – I thought it was hilarious. I was scrolling through my replies, and I saw this one troll that kind of piqued my interest. So I clicked on his profile, and I scrolled through his tweets. And basically – he just, like, tries and roasts everybody for their hairline, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not, like, they have hairline issues. He's he's always like, go put on some Rogaine. Imagine like, dude, that being your dude, life. the guy you're trolling has a full head of hair. If that is your life, 
Number one, you're a complete and total loser. Not just a semi-loser. I mean, you are losing big time. Like Florida State to Georgia in your life if you're doing that. And that's all you do. You're also one step away from potentially serial killing. <laughs> that's how pathetic your life is. But, you know, here's the deal. I complain. Nobody cares what I say anyway because I'm old. I get it. But this is the one of the probably the worst I've ever seen society since we've been civilized and not carrying clubs around trying to start a fire. Because we have more idiots than we've ever had, and it's not even close. And everybody is a complete megalomaniac, egomaniac here's, here's who needs attention. Here's everybody. Okay, I, I'm not convinced we have more idiots I'm just I, – I think what we it boils down more to is of that them. the idiots all have a platform now. Yeah, that's true. Careful, Mike. You don't want to get the hairline guy after you. That's right. I have, I've always said I still have, for my age, pretty full head of hair, but I've always had a five head. So A five head. <laughs> oh, a listener in the 918 says, oh, you going to land Jake Roberts from Baylor? Yes, we were just going to get to that. I, I would be surprised – I would be surprised if Jake Roberts doesn't end up at Oklahoma. It just makes too much sense, right? Mm-hmm. His former head coach at North Texas, Seth Luttrell, yep. is now the OC at OU. OU pursued him in the portal this past offseason. He decided to go to Baylor instead. I think a lot of it was due to the Austin Stogner factor. But he's got a brother that's 20 minutes down the road. He's got one year of eligibility left. He can come home to his native city. He's from Norman. Played at Norman North High School. Mm-hmm. He can play for Oklahoma. Check. It's and he like can everybody. Play for Seth check. Luttrell. Check. Yes. Check. And then. And there's a need now, right? Like there's a need for a tight end. There's a there's, more so than there was. There's last another year. important Roberts too, as you said, right? So it all makes sense. We'll see if it all falls in line. LaDonna from Lubbock has checked in, doing a great covert work for the Sooner Nation out there in the home of the Sand Aggies. Thank goodness Texas Tech is off the schedule. But uh, says all the idiots have phones now. That's right. That's right. Again, I think society has the same number of idiots as it's ever had. But the reason it seems like there is more idiocy is because it used to be, before the era of social media, none of the idiots had a public voice Mm -hmm. and platform. Now everyone does. You see the idiocy more than you did ever before. You do. Yes, you do. I agree. A listener in the 405 says, Please get Steelman his meds or checked in. Hey, you know what, 405? (laughs) I don't see your name on there. Are you one of those people? That's just trolling all day. He's in a nod. I will never say anything, but all those trolls are complete, total losers in all caps. Total losers. Santa John says today is the drop dead date for DJ Hicks. So, exclamation point, question mark. The portal closes today. Right? It, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I've heard a lot of very conflicting stuff on DJ Hicks over the last 24 hours. Um. Ranging from he's definitely getting in the portal to he is no longer planning on getting. Basically, here's what it amounts to. And this shouldn't shock anybody. I think a lot of it is going to depend on money. A&M is seeing how much do we still have? 28.2 mil? Well, and from what I have been told, 
A&M didn't fulfill some of their initial promises to DJ Hicks in that department, which has in part fueled some of his dissatisfaction with the situation down there. But if the problem originates with money, how can it be fixed, Steely? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Funny. I know. Um, I want to talk more about that in the next segment. OU Photo Guy and I were having a, a conversation about some of the issues with maybe some of the challenges that OU faces with NIL. And, again, they're playing the game. And I talked about this a long time ago. When when we got all these changes with the NCAA and Oklahoma going to the SEC, is we're going to find out what wins out, you know, down the road. Is it going to be culture? You know, culture built on relationships with some NIL included? Or is it going to be big-time NIL dollars with a little bit of culture mixed in. And so far, I think that the uh, the winner has been culture. But we're still very early in the game. And I'm certainly hoping that culture wins out. But we'll see. You know, what's Miami done? Not much. What's A&M done? Not much. Oregon has done a lot. But right now, it, it appears to be slight edge to culture over – you know, the the ATM machines at A&M and Miami. And Tennessee's done, you know, pretty well. They fell back from a year ago. But that's going to be the ultimate battle, you know, down the road. And we're still very early in the game. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. Uh, we'll get back to your text on the Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-5-star Randy. <laughs> Should Oregon change their name to the Oregon Bucks? <laughs> Why did they have to ruin that cool throwback look with the long white undershirts? We're going back to the Dan Fouts days with those. Dan Fouts, who played at Norman, by the way, back in the early 70s. Air Coriel, when he was at Oregon. Stay with us. Coming right back. All right, we are back, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you, Riverwind Casino, great promotions have rolled out for January. You know, the uh, promotions uh, marketing creative team over at Riverwind is uh, simply the best. They are awesome. The 80K winning resolutions giveaway, get out there, play with your wild card, Mondays and Tuesdays, get extra entries for the drawings on Friday night, and then get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. First down in Neon Town. That is the contest that's underway right now, running through January 18th, where get out there and play on specifically designated gaming machines. They will have signage all around these machines, first down in Neon Town promotion, and this is all about winning a trip to the Super Bowl. They're giving away five of those trips. Riverwind's going to do it right. You're going to get game tickets, hotel, airfare, ground transportation, money for your trip as well. Uh, these trips are valued at nearly $25,000. Uh, so this is a big-time promotion, first down in Neon Town. Play on the specific gaming machines. Again, out at Riverwind Casino, the first down in Neon Town Gaming Machines. And we rang in the new year with some great shows. The uh, comedy of Ron White's and the uh, music of Midland on New Year's Eve. And they gave away nearly $315,000 in cash bonus playing prizes during the month of December. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. Always good times at Riverwind Casino. 
Okay, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. People want to know Matt Wells to K-State? Sounding like it. And Wells is a guy that's been looking to take the next step this offseason. He's been at Oklahoma for two years as an off-field analyst now. Was a candidate for the Oregon State job, was a candidate for the Nevada job, and was a candidate for the New Mexico job. Didn't get either or any of those three gigs. And so with Kansas State having a vacancy for a quarterback's coach, co-offensive coordinator, uh, especially with Matt Wells hailing from not too far away from Manhattan. You know, he's from Salisaw, Oklahoma. So that's what, probably a two, maybe two-and-a-half-hour drive? Not far at all. Not not a bad trip. Uh, it's familiar territory for him, and it does sound like that's the gig he's going to end up taking. All right, Okie Tom is asking, and I saw this over the weekend, and I'm shaking my head already. Is there anything... To the rumor that Arnold isn't too happy with the offense and plays. No, that was a moron message board. Again. And that's all it is. Again, this is the kind of stuff I'm railing on. And I should probably, you know, all I'm going to do is raise my blood pressure. but And it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's just not. But this set off, again, a freaking wildfire on social media. Which, again, was just complete and utter bullshit stuff. And, again, is Jackson Arnold probably a little upset that Sooners didn't win the game and maybe they miss a play here or there? Yeah. But, yeah, this is just complete BS by a lot of people out there who are doing this just for attention. And, unfortunately, nine times out of ten they do it. They, they do it and they get the attention they're looking for. So, no. I mean, Parker, you haven't heard anything yet. Did Jackson Arnold, very unhappy, right? I mean, come on. I think he's really bought in on the Oklahoma system, the program. I still think he's going to be a really, really good player, even a great player at Oklahoma. Got a really good chance. It'd be surprising to me if he didn't play on Sundays. My saying he's going to be a first-round pick, number one overall or whatever. Maybe. Who knows? But the kid's got the arm talent. He's got the mind. It was his first real start. But he also made some NFL-level throws, big-time throws. Oklahoma Johnny sent us a gif of Chris Pratt raising his eyebrows. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. But Lloyd from Reno says, LSU offensive lineman entered the transfer portal. Yeah, Zalance heard. Don't figure that will be one that. Oklahoma gets involved with um, a 918 listener says Texas fans are learning the hard way when you talk mess about losing playoff games that the same rules apply when you lose they're having a hard time coping right now cope more cope better that stuff again everybody who uses the same tweets rent free Go be great. Does, so, it, does anybody have an original thought out there they can tweet out? You geez. do, but it's all the, these The same. rent-free thing is hilarious. I, 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 what I, I, I t- love is people who think that's like some big burn. It's like, dude, you're the biggest freaking follower. Have an original thought. Go be great. Okay, go ahead. I, like, I had a Missouri troll 
in my mentions yesterday after I tweeted something about Williams Winery going, rent free. Like, sir, you're in my (laughs) Twitter replies. Who is living rent-free here? I know. Yeah, you're right. It ain't Williams Winery. Oklahoma Johnny, yeah, there is restraint shown there. Yeah. Okay, Tom, we're not saying that you bought it, but that's the problem is, you know, you you just have to realize these are like carnival barkers back in the day. All they're doing is selling you snake oil. And, you know, if you drink some of the snake oil, then other people drink it. It's just – I mean, we used to have this every now and then you get a call up the air. Back in my day, you know, hey, my cousin says he heard that Jackson Arnold ain't happy with his offense over, you know. And you wouldn't even check it out because you knew that was BS. Now, one in every 100 calls like that, maybe there's something to it. But for the most time, most of the time it's not. A listener in the 405 says, are there any limits to the amount of walk-ons on a roster? Seems like a backdoor way to get around scholarship limits in the NIL era. Uh, as, as far as I know, no, there aren't. I guess the only limitation would be how many actual lockers you have in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, I don't know. Well, and Nebraska perfected that way back in the, uh, in the Devaney days, right? They had that walk-on program that was unbelievable. So, yeah, guess what? Human beings try to get around the rules as best they can sometimes. And not that there's a rule against this, I guess, but, you know. Finagling. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. S. Rob Boone says, seeing freshman quarterbacks play for Ohio State and Florida State in the bowl games, I think OU has a gem of a freshman quarterback. Jackson Arnold, we talked about this. Um To me, I, I still have the same feeling about Jackson Arnold. He's going to be really, really good. Really good. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But in the good thing for Jackson Arnold, again, you start out, you've got three uh, Temple, Houston, Tulane before Tennessee comes to town. And by the way, how about it's Nico uh, Ima Yalaba. Ima Yalaba. Is that close? Sure. We'll I'm go, just going to we'll... say the Velvet Underground and Nico. Okay. But, uh, you know, he'll. I think he's going to be fine, man. I really do. I, he's got the arm talent. Where do we sit with Nick Scorton, says Ronnie Crimson. So, for those unfamiliar, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Nick Scorton, the outstanding edge rusher, defensive end, I suppose, more accurately, from – Purdue in the transfer portal and visiting over the next five days, Texas A&M, Missouri, Florida State, and Oklahoma. And I am not terribly optimistic about Nick Scorton, both because I think OU will get Caden Woolard, who's scheduled to visit tomorrow. And I'm just, I'm not entirely convinced Scorton's OU visit comes to fruition. If it does, great, game on at that point. But again, before he ever comes around to Norman, he's going to have the opportunity to visit three schools that are major heavy hitters in the transfer portal for different reasons, right? Yeah. A&M is the hometown school here. We know they will pay. 
Missouri has developed. Uh, they they it's like they won the lottery all of a sudden. They've got yeah. Well, and like to their and credit, we know that the money's coming from a couple places, barely Walmart and Heiser Bush, wherever. But and, Missouri has become very annoying. And to they, their credit, the one position where Missouri kind of has some skins on the wall in the NFL. Would be defensive end. Yeah, no doubt. So no doubt about it. That's a pitch they can make, but obviously the money's going to be a big part of it. And then Florida State and Mike Norvell, man, they have found gem after gem and been able to take big swings at big-time portal defensive linemen in years past and bring them in with regularity, whether that's a guy like Jared Verse or Braden Fisk. So I, I, do they have the same capacity to pay as Missouri and Texas A&M do? Maybe not, but – They've got a ton more recent success at that position and pedigree to sell to a guy like Nick Scorton than Missouri and A&M. So because those are the three schools that precede Oklahoma in terms of the chronology of Scorton's visits, I can't be too optimistic right now. Yeah. It makes sense. And, again, if you're OU, you're hoping, again, the last visit, the Dion Burks connection. What's Chapstick complaining about? Oh, he was just – he was going after that troll that I mentioned that was in my Twitter reply. Yeah. No, I – yeah, absolutely. And that's – what I'm critical of, too, is everybody, you know, thinking that's some original retort now. So, yeah, it, it is literally your job to report that stuff. Rent free. I'm getting too damn old. I'll tell you that. And cranky. Okay. You're only 60. Well, but I've been aging in dog years. With all the stuff Shay and I have been through recently, I feel like I'm aging in dog years. So, actually, I am 81 right now in reality. Holy smokes. I know. know. Okay, you are old. Okay, let's take a break. And when we get back, Jesse Crittenden will join us. I agree. Yeah, chapstick, you're right on the money there. Okay, break time, break time, and we will go back a little bit later on to more text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Stay with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans. The one, the only, Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, joining us on the award-winning Riverwind Casino Hotline, ladies and gentlemen. First show of 2024. Jesse, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. There's a lot wrong with college football right now and the direction it's heading. Uh, you know, next year we get the 12-team playoff, and uh, maybe we'll get some relief with uh, some, some rules down the road for the portal and, uh, you know, uh, NIL. It doesn't seem – it looks like it's a long road to getting that. But what we got late yesterday and into the evening semifinal-wise yesterday – was awesome. That, ladies and gentlemen, was some great stuff. Uh, what did you think of the semifinals? Yeah, I think yesterday, and with all of the, the, the discussions about what's wrong with college football and, and where it's going, and there's a lot of discussions that need to be had about how much is changing, y- yesterday was an example of how fantastic college football can be. I mean, how unparalleled it can be. I mean, both those games, uh, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's no doubt the best semifinal day, I mean, the best semifinal night we've had uh, since the college football playoff was instituted, and I think you can go a step further and say both of those games were two of the best college football games uh, definitely in modern history, at least in recent memory. I think you saw, uh, I mean, two pretty even teams in both games going at it. You saw the heart, the grit, the determination, the, the strategy 
I mean, all, all those things. And I mean, especially the way both those games ended, particularly Washington and Texas, um, with how, I mean, that game looked over. And, and Texas, you have to give them credit. They, they kept fighting. But, yeah, I think almost, if anything, I think last night kind of shined a light on why there needs to be discussions about things that maybe need to be tweaked and changed with college, with college football. Because what's happened in some of the bowl games, I mean, what happened with Georgia and Florida State, that, that can't happen. That's unacceptable. And the reason why is because we saw what college football can look like when everybody's on the same page, everybody on a team is united for one goal. So if nothing else, there's a lot of discussion to be had. But last night, we got two college football games for the ages. We, we really did. Jesse, we, we were having this conversation last hour. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Did the 12-team playoff field get here a year too late? Because it feels like this is one of the years where as evenly matched as those semifinals were and as compelling and as legitimate a case as some of the outsiders that didn't make the playoff field seem to have, this is a year where it would have been really, really fun to see where we would have gotten, where things would have ended up with a 12-team playoff field. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion because, again, like you said, I mean, I think we've had semifinal games that, that obviously weren't competitive. And then, you know, last night, uh, both, I mean, all four teams really put on a show. But, yeah, it's hard, even with that, it's hard not to think about the fact that Georgia might just be the best team in college football. <laughs> even even if, if it makes sense in some ways to leave them out of the playoff, they, they might, they have an argument that they're still the best team in college football. And I think Florida State, as discouraging as that was, obviously they had so many guys opt out. I think Florida State with a full team um, absolutely had an argument to be in the playoff. I think they would have been more than competitive if they had their full team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's weird to have a full-team playoff when you've got at least two teams. That's not even mentioning Ohio State or some other teams that I think legitimately feel like they could have been competitive and maybe had an argument to be one of the, the, the top four teams in college football. So, um, yeah, I think in some ways it, it would have been great to, to see a few more teams get in. And, and, I, and I don't think the 12-team playoff is perfect. But on the other hand, it's going to help avoid this exact situation we're in, where you have two teams at minimum who had legitimate arguments uh, to be in the playoff and, and have a chance to play um, in the, you know, in the, you know, for a national championship. So I think all that can be true. But otherwise, uh, you know, I'm really excited about Washington in Michigan in the championship, I, I got a lot of, or I, I, I gained a lot of respect for Washington last night, the way they played, the way they won that game. And, and so while it, it probably is a year too late, I still think that the, how great the semifinal games were and how great I think this matchup uh, next week is going to be, I think evens that out to, to some degree. Jesse Crittenden, our guest, OU Insider. All right, so next year it's going to be a whole new world. It's going to be <laughs> very interesting to see how the Sooners fare in their first year in the SEC. I think in the long term they're going to be fine. I think next year, uh, you know, they, they have a chance to be really good. They've got, they've got to get some help, get better in some areas. Uh, the defense has a lot of ingredients. But what do you think uh, the Sooners, how they have prepared themselves – and position themselves to be competitive in the SEC uh, in their first year. What what kind of letter grade would you give OU for their effort over the past couple of years with Brent? And uh, where do you think they need to get better? Look, I, I think it's been it's been pretty good. And really, I think when you're looking at next year, I think the one thing that sticks out is that there's just going to be more continuity and consistency heading into next season than, than Brent Venables has had his first two years at OU, I mean, so many returners 
um, or you know, so many starters are returning next year, particularly on defense, and even the guys that aren't starters. There's there's so many guys that are returning next year that could easily step into bigger roles, whether that's you know R. Mason Thomas or uh, P.J. Eddie Bauer or you know Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, um, Robert Spears Jennings. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. And, you know, look offensively, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason to be excited about Jackson Arnold. The receiver core should be really, really good. Um, I, you know, I think the defensive line is going to get some reinforcements. Uh, I think the offensive line is going to be uh, is easily the biggest question mark heading into next season. You know, I, I think it's hard to, to, gain, or to, to take away too much from the Alamo Bowl in terms of where that offensive line is, but that's easily the biggest question. So, I think in some ways it's a little bit interesting to analyze what OU could look like next year because I think in one hand, the squad is finally going to have what they haven't really had, which, again, is consistency and continuity. But uh, as everybody who watches football knows, everything starts up front on both sides of the ball. And OU can be really good in every position group, but if that offensive line struggles, particularly against SEC defenses, that's going to be an issue. So. Um, but, you know, obviously there's, there's another recruiting class, another top-ten recruiting class that Brent has coming in uh, as well to add to how good last year's recruiting class was. So I think all I mean, I think all in all, to give it a letter grade, I mean, I think you have to give it at least a solid B, uh, if not better, uh, just with how, with how much talent this team has added, how much continuity they'll have next year. But there certainly are a couple of big question marks. I think that offensive line being the main one, that's going to be the main thing. That you know whether it's additional portal guys or or internal development, that's going to be a huge key in terms of OU's potential success next year. Now there are two sides to every coin, Jesse. And as you look ahead to next year, especially considering that Oklahoma is going into the SEC, if you get a great deal of freshmen that are playing meaningful snaps, you can look at it as well. Those those dudes are really good football players, and they've become undeniable in terms of their role in the rotation. Or you can look at it as well. This program's not deep enough. They don't got enough upperclassmen. They're being forced to use true freshmen to fill the voids. And so, especially considering the fact that Oklahoma is setting foot into the SEC for the first time next season, and because there will be a very obvious opportunity, especially on the defensive and offensive lines, for some of these true freshmen to make an immediate impact, which way would you lean on it? You think if the Sooners are playing... Uh, several freshmen next year in meaningful situations that that's more of a good thing or more of a detrimental thing? I think the last couple of years, you know, it may have been a little bit more of a negative thing than a positive thing, but I I think heading into next season, it's going to be more of a testament to freshmen genuinely earning spots on the field. I mean, think about all the guys this past year that are really exciting young players that, that didn't uh, that not only didn't earn a ton of playing time on the field, but are also returning next season. Not to mention that the carryover from this year, where the defense had some tough moments, but was clearly better than it was in twenty twenty in twenty twenty two. How many of those guys are returning? So I, I think I mean there's a lot of spots to feel good about, particularly defensively. So if you've got any freshmen that are coming in and earning playing time, whether that's you know, David Stone or Nigel Smith or anybody else, I think that's a testament to how good they are because OU has depth at pretty much every position defensively. Now, offensively, I think we are going to have to see some young guys uh, step into some playing time, and that might be a little bit more because of need and less because of, you know, those, those freshmen are so great. But it, honestly, it's so hard to say right now. We've still got spring. Uh, we're going to have another 
transfer portal window open, then obviously we've got the off season and then fall camp. So it's hard to say, but I, I do think we've seen that, um, you know, that there haven't been a ton of freshmen that have earned a ton of playing time in the two years under Brent Venables. I think you're going to see a lot more young guys and a lot more freshmen earn playing time next season. And I do think that's going to be an encouraging thing and less about, uh, OU not having depth or OU just needing some bodies on the field. Jesse, good stuff, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, joining us here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. The hero of the night last night in the uh, Texas-Washington game was neither a Husky or a Longhorn. It was Ethan Downs. It was Ethan Downs. Mr. Ethan Horns Downs. Uh, That was very impressive. What, What a great moment for Ethan Downs last night. Jackson and Edmund says, Steely, take a breath. You're going to blow a gasket for the first times in years. You will not have an experience and an experienced quarterback coach is badly needed. I do need to take a breath. You're right. You're right. I'm tr- Every day I tell myself I'm not going to let some of these fools, not you guys, but the people on social media get to me. But I've got – you're right. I need to relax. I'm going to try and do a much better job. And because Parker's right, it's not – the idiots have always been out there. But now they have like a uh, a bullhorn, like a, you know what I'm saying? You just see them, they're more prominently featured in this new day and age. I would like for them to crawl back into their basements and stay there. But I will try and just breathe more deeply. Thank you, Jackson and Eben, you're right. Okay, break time. Got one more segment to go. Let's get to as many tweets as we can. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, some good news, some bad news. Don McKinley, LSU. Jays, really? And may there be some news coming up on DJ Hicks? Better happen quickly. We'll talk about that more next. Okay, I uh, just got a text from a friend of mine who said, uh, Steely, have you seen the OU basketball Mount Rushmore that is going around? Who's on your mounts? Who's <laughs> on my mounts? You, sir, will be contacted later. That just doesn't sound right. Is there an OU basketball Mount Rushmore going around? I haven't seen it, but... So I guess you're asking me who mine would be. It would be Wayman Tisdale, Alvin Adams, Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald. Right now, Wayman, Alvin, Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald. Uh, Trey Young, you know, one year. But if he keeps, becomes, he's already an NBA star. But if he continues to put up, you know, the kind of years that he's putting up, maybe, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe he could jump on there. Ryan Miner, I'm sure, has gotten some votes, and Ryan was great. I wouldn't put him on the Rushmore, but he's right there on the next Mount Rushmore. Mount number two. Uh, Stacy King, Hollis Price, Mookie Blaylock, guys like that. But for me, it would be Wayman Alvin, Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald right now. So there you go. I did not know that that was going around. I, I was kind of looking on social media. I look. I don't tweet, text a whole lot or tweet. But I did not see that. 
405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Tax Line. Let's close it out today, Parker Thune, with as many texts as we can get. Big Rich in OKC says, do you think David Stone starts immediately like Tommy Harris or Gerald McCoy? Mm, uh, good question. Do I think he does? No. Do I think he can? Absolutely. Like, here's what I would imagine happens. I'll bet you David Stone doesn't break camp as a starter at Oklahoma as a true freshman, but I do think he is starting at some point before the end of his freshman year because that dude is different. He, after watching him against some of the country's best offensive linemen down there in Orlando, believe me, folks, that is a guy that is going to have a key role for Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball as a true freshman. Make no mistake about it, it will happen. David Stone, provided he is 100% healthy as a freshman, is going to see the field a lot for Oklahoma. I remember Tommy Harris's first play uh, against North Carolina, and he was in the backfield on the very first play. Blew up the first play he, he played at OU. So, DJ Hicks looks like he has that, uh, that kind of ability. David Stone. Or David I always get those. Why? Why? Sorry. Okay. 405-651. Thirty-four, thirty-nine. CTMP mod says Zalance heard. Let's go get him. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Long shot. Uh, don't figure that is the type of guy that OU will engage with. S. Rob Boomin says, "Wow." After listening to OU Insider signing day interviews, I was amazed how close OU came to losing out on Nigel Smith, Jaden Jackson, and David Stone, even at the very end. Yeah, OU, I mean. That is kind of the nature of recruiting blue chip defensive linemen. Is everybody wants them, and you got to fight tooth and nail not only to get them but to keep them. And the OU staff did a tremendous job of doing just that in those three cases, especially. Same with David Stone, or I'm sorry, not David Stone, but uh, Danny Okoye, and certainly the same with Wyatt Gilmore as well. Those were five hard fought recruiting battles by Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis. That's why he gave Todd Bates recruiter of the year on the ref. I, my vote was going to Emmett Jones, but I don't think I, I don't have beef with Bates being the choice. You could split a championship, like who uh, Nebraska and Michigan split one, right? All right, I'm claiming the title on behalf of Emmett Jones. 2017 UCF vibes. Yeah, well, you know, let's give him a split championship. Why not? This <laughs> listener the four or five says, "Geez, stealing it and forgetful." You guys are starting to sound like Herb Street and Corso. What did I forget? Clearly, you forgot that you forgot something. That's right. Well, DJ Hicks, I've been doing that DJ Hicks, David Stone thing for a while. I don't know why in my mind. It's it's just, it's in my mind. It's all too easy to do. It's there. I just recalled right off the top of my head about nine OU basketball players. So you're the one getting old. By the way, Lee Corso. I love Lee Corso. This guy's fought through a stroke, and you know, but of course, the heartless people out there want him off the air. But I think it's a cool story, and I love what Herb Street's doing for him too. Now, I, I do think it's probably time for Lee Corso to hang it up. But there is no denying that still getting an enormous paycheck. Yeah, to be a college football analyst at age what eighty eight. Is he 88 now? He's got it. He's like, up in that range. He's the longevity range. is remarkable. Only Al Michaels comes close. Al Michaels is like 83. 
That apparently has never eaten a vegetable in his life. And he's still not yeah. quite at the top of his game. I but know. He How can you live yet. that long without eating a vegetable? I'm not I saying really I consume know. a bunch of vegetables, but to like be undefeated against vegetables, that's that's a big one. Well, you know that Big Mac guy is like in his seventies now. The guy that has like nine Big Macs a day. Oh. So I don't know. Some people are just medical yeah, anomalies. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, thanks for all the texts. You know we're just messing around quite a bit here. I'm trying, man. I'm t- taking my uh, Prevagen, trying my best. All right, guys, ladies, thank you. Thank you very much. And want to thank Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring our second hour. Thunder Celtics tonight, man. That's going to be fun. That is going to be fun. 7 o'clock at the Paycom Center, Sooner Basketball. Big 12 opener against Iowa State, Saturday at the LNC, 5 o'clock. That'll be fun as well. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you.